Welcome to Art Openings, the podcast where there are no gatekeepers, no stupid questions, and art for all. Hosted by Courtney Jordan and Samantha Sanders and sponsored by Artist Network. Okay, welcome to Art Openings. I'm Samantha Sanders, your co-host, along with Courtney Jordan. Courtney, why did we decide to do this podcast? We decided to talk about art galleries and art museums because we know people want to walk into those places and A, not feel like a doofus, and B, feel like they own the place. So we're going to break down both of those hallowed institutions and tell people what they need to know. Right. So, okay, what are some of the questions? We kind of polled people in the office. We asked our friends. So what are some of the things that people worry about when they're thinking about going into a gallery? So the first thing is like the type of galleries. And the one thing you need to know is that there are bunches of different types of galleries. So you have community art galleries, probably in your like local hometown. You have commercial galleries that are just selling work by contemporary living artists. And then you have blue chip galleries who are often just selling established work like the big names, Warhol, Picasso, and they are just moving basically money around, right? Art is investment. Um, so can you actually go in those types of galleries? Can you like as a person totally. walk in off the street? Absolutely. You can walk into all of those. That's the that's a really good point. Galleries are free. You do not it's not a club. You do not have a private membership and you don't have to pay to go in. Usually or un, unless it's some kind of, you know, private party or something. Those galleries are there for people to go and experience the work, experience the art on the walls or the installations that are on display. Okay, so one of the things that people brought up repeatedly when we talked about this topic was the idea of the gallerist, who's the person who's standing there when you first walk in. Um, if it's a woman, they're usually dressed very well. Oh, totally. Haircuts, very expensive. <laughs> um, so, and you kind of are always aware when you're in there and you're walking around, are they looking at me? Are they knowing I'm not going to buy anything? Do they... Um, you know, can they essentially see that I'm like a total poser here? But one, <laughs> you're not. And two, Courtney, you have some experience with this. Well, and the first thing to know about any kind of like, if we're talking a commercial gallery, is that it is like a snooty DMV. Like these people are going <laughs> to look down their nose at you. If only because, and I was giving this some thought, I'm like, why do they do that? I think you also have to think about it. Like you go into a gallery and essentially something like $5,000 is tacked up on the wall. Tons of them, right? 30, 40, 50 works. And it's not like they have tons of security or walled off things. You I've know? always wondered about that. Right. So if someone starts to lose their shit, they, I think the only thing is like you're sort of institutionalizing this. This is an atmosphere <gasps> of this. And they sort of perpetuate that to keep it safe. Because, I mean, you, I mean, yes, they'll probably catch you on camera. But, you know, the work if you were to act like it was a more permissive atmosphere, maybe things would get out of control. I mean, sometimes that's I a think that's, a, that's part of it. So don't take it to heart. It's like they're there to sort of keep it in a sort of restrained manner because, yeah, stuff could get out of control and they mm -hmm. would, you know, what would they do? So it's a little bit mannered. There's like a falseness to it a little bit. You're kind of part of the game, which is why we really feel like we, we want to encourage people, like, when you go there, absolutely feel like you belong because you're just part of the beautiful human tapestry. Beautiful human Beautiful tapestry. of when you walk into a gallery and someone's going to be snobby to you and you're going to be walking around. I mean, that's just how it goes. 
Yeah, but it's also like, how did you get there in the first place? Because sometimes people do gallery walks, right? So you're downtown, and that can happen in any kind of city. So you might have two or three, or you might have like thousands. But the, the point is that, yeah, it's a browsing kind of experience. You're going in, you're looking because of the work, because of the, you know, the beautiful visual things you're seeing um, on the wall. And that's great. But then, like me, I sometimes go to galleries because I'm after a certain you know, person's work. They're having a show. Mm -hmm. I know about it. Or it's a gallery that I know has this certain style or they, you know, they have a roster of artists who I I like and I want to see more of their, their stuff. So I'm going in a very, you know, targeted manner. But either way, it's just coming down to you going in and having experience with art. Okay, so I have some follow ups. Do. How do you find those galleries? Like, how do you know are certain galleries associated with certain kinds of art or certain artists? And how do you find them? Definitely. I mean, for me, it's online. I mean, I spend a lot of time. Let's say if I find a gallery I've never heard of, or usually I find an artist I like and I will stalk their website and they are usually, I mean, they, you know, put it right there. Their work is, you know, sold through XYZ Gallery. Um, and then I'll go there. And sometimes you will. You'll find like either a gallery you know, only shows like, let's say, large scale painting or sculpture or works on paper. Mm -hmm. um, definitely galleries can have reputations, but also some of them, you know, if you're in a regional hotspot, you might just be showing really good local work, which mm -hmm. is great, too, because then that means if you're there, you're seeing work from artists who you might actually have a chance to be sort of operating in mm -hmm. their community eventually, you know, come across them in person. Okay, rapid fire. Can you take pictures? Yes. I say do it until you're told not to and then be like, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> Can you talk to the gallerist? Definitely you should. And sometimes those gallerists are idiots <laughs> and some of them are not. So it's, it, again, it's like you can never tell. But yes, you absolutely should. That's what they're there for. And um, you could probably ask them stuff in lots of languages because that's a big thing about gallerists. I mean, they're, you know, dealing with international things, too. So, you know, Specken sie Deutsch. Uh, can you buy something, like assuming you have a free $5,000 when you walk in, can you just buy something right off the wall? You can, but usually, like, let's say you do that and you're like, I want that one. Usually the gallery's like, that's great. This is up <laughs> until like the end of the month. Could we keep it until then? And, you know, of course, I doubt there's a situation where the person is going to say, no, no, we don't want your money. Um, but usually you'll wait maybe or deal with like the transfer of ownership and you definitely don't want to just buy something off the wall at that price point. I mean, you want provenance papers, mm -hmm. you want insurance, you want to set that up. How is it going to be, you know, literally moved from place A to place B, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So what's, um, what's kind of the way people can approach it if say they're not in New York, they're not in London, they're not in Los Angeles. Um, how do you find a cool gallery where you are? I would say, especially now with a lot, and at least in the U.S., I mean, first Fridays or first Thursdays or whatever, um, communities, local communities usually have that kind of thing to get people out and supporting their small businesses, galleries being part of that so I would say people should look to their local community and, you know, talk to people who are in the cultural centers. I mean, the library, for God's sake, there's there's nobody who's not going to be able to give you that information. And you can, it's as easy as typing on the Internet, like galleries and then the place you are. And mm -hmm. I think you can go from there. Yeah. So one of the other things that I'm seeing everywhere is that galleries in big cities are kind of 
closing um, and you're seeing lots of smaller, maybe short term um, galleries pop up all across the country. So this is definitely not just in New York, definitely not just a Los Angeles thing. If galleries are your thing and there's something that you want to explore and you want to get the free wine, they are in your city no matter where you are. Yeah, definitely. And the free wine is a good point, especially in the evening hours. You can definitely go get a free buzz on. But (laughs) one of the things, though, about um, sort of the gallery that you're in just know or be aware like an artist gallery or a community gallery is going to have probably varied hours as opposed to a commercial gallery which Mm -hmm. is going to have like you know nine to five business hours and then the mega galleries are in the you know like the the hotspot cities and you're probably going to I mean unless you're a millionaire billionaire and then screw you but if you are then you know you can go in and probably buy a work but the rest of us we just go into gawk like there are certain galleries i go to just because it's basically like a mini museum that's yes. how bombastic the the shows are mm-hmm. so have you ever had a really bad experience in a gallery sure have you ever sure. been yelled at yes too close Definitely. I've gotten that (laughs) way too much. But I mean, it's not I never mean it in a creepy way. Like, I don't want to kiss the painting the way that lady (laughs) did. I don't want to fix the painting like that other person did. And I don't want to hurt the work. But sometimes I, I do like for me, the the practice of making like how the work was created, the layers, let's say, of a painting. I do want to get close because I I observe those kind of details and they interest me. And yeah, you know, guards are like, hey, back up off the line. And you're like, eh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so, you know, that's it. And then imagery like it used to be a few years ago that they were like, yeah, don't take photos. And now it's all about like follow us on Instagram. So right. it's I, I can't even say that there's a standard. I'm assuming most places now do want you to because they they want that word of mouth. Yeah, something I'm noticing when I walk, walk around New York is that lots of galleries have like their most um, provocative work right in the window so that they want you to stand there and take a stupid selfie and hashtag it oh, so that, selfie. you know, it's almost to the point where you have to wonder, like, do they really even care what the art is or do they want just something that is visually compelling? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what sucks, too, with commercial galleries. And that's why I am more and more of proponent of artist run galleries, though they tend not to have as sterling a business model mm-hmm. because usually they're like, they're like, this method sucks. Let's try it this way. But commercial galleries, sometimes they are straight up commercial. Like they don't give a shit about who's making the work or the fact that, you know, there's like this creative nexus going on around them. They just want to sell. Mm-hmm. They that That's it. So the that's the conversation and they're not really interested in letting you in on stuff. And it's just knowing what you have. We'll be back in a second after a word from our sponsor. From sparking your creativity with art projects and simple art hacks to painting and drawing techniques made simple, Artist Magazine is dedicated to helping artists live an artful life. Artist Magazine is produced by Artist Network, the largest online artist community and art resource website in the world. You can find the latest issue on newsstands and in select bookstores and art retailers, or start your subscription today at artistnetwork.com slash subscribe. So our April 2018 issue greets spring with a flower extravaganza. You'll discover why yellow is having a moment, an art prompt inspired by Van Gogh's sunflowers, and the story behind the third-generation Dutch florist responsible for the Metropolitan Museum of Art's famed flower arrangements. Now we're going to talk about art museums, and while most people aren't as intimidated walking into an art museum as they are 
an art gallery, the reality is sometimes you don't get everything you could out of your experience at an art museum. And so here are the things you definitely should know. Um, And we're going to start with when. When should you go? Yeah, let's just trade tips. So, Courtney, you had an idea. You have a preferred time you like to go. Okay, it's totally dorky, but I do like to go really early in the morning on the weekends, like stand outside before it opens. I have done. I know it is cheesy, but at the same time, they open up and you have the place to yourself. And that's so legit. I mean, you and the old people. Okay, Mm -hmm. it's true. So you get to experience, let's say, a big blockbuster show um, all by yourself Uh as opposed to going when everyone else is going. And it is like packed. There's school field trips. Yeah. And you can't hear yourself think. You can't see the work because it's blocked by annoying humanity. Like, don't. I don't know. I mean, of course, pick the time that's convenient to you. And I mean, I, you know, am lucky that I can go when I want. But, you know, if you if you can, you know, try it, try it. So (laughs) (laughs) free days, too. That's the other thing. Free days. Yeah. Go on the free days. So here's my dumb museum tip, which I did not realize until this year of my adulthood, is that (laughs) museums have lockers. Like, I just learned that. I didn't know that. So when you go, don't um, schlep all your stuff around with you like a Sherpa. Just stop by, (laughs) bring a quarter like Aldi, and then use the locker um, and you'll be much happier. Yes. Drop your coat, too. That's so annoying holding your coat it's like when you're in the mall it's that weird feeling of like i wish i could throw this on the ground and no one pick it up and i'll just pick it up later (laughs) okay so here's the other thing is that i think people get there and they stress about how they appear while they're walking around looking at art like it's sort of like i think you compared it to going to the gym like when you first go to a gym you're convinced everybody's staring at you and judging you but really nobody (laughs) gives a shit can we cuss exactly so it's the same in museums. Like you're walking around and you become very conscious of how long you look at things and are you sufficiently appreciating this <laughs> this work? And does someone know that you're standing there thinking, I don't get it? Um, so what's the deal? Do you think people are judging or do you think that it's just something in your head? I think it's more like, do you care? I mean, yeah. Right. You, I mean, it's that's an existential comment and question, I guess. But When you're at the museum, you're supposed to be having a really rich visual experience. And that's between you and the work. And it's really, it's a very intimate thing at its heart. I mean, it's just about you and your reaction. But no, I mean, I don't think people care. And I honestly, like, I, art is my bread and butter. It's my trade. So I know a lot about art when I go see the work or the shows already. So I don't spend a lot of time reading text. I mean, sometimes I'll I'll glance over it, but for me in that setting, that's not what I'm there to do. Like I'm mm-hmm. not there to read. I'm there to see. You told me something interesting. What are, are those called? Coffins? Is that what they're called? Oh, uh, tombstones. Whatever. No. Tombstones. <laughs> so you told me something interesting about the process for writing those. Well, it's usually they're usually written by the curator or the um, the curatorial assistant, right? And minimally, they're going to have just what we call like headstone or tombstone information which is who did it what it's made of and when it was but then they have extensive um, captions sometimes and those are like telling you the backstory or that you wouldn't know this but or maybe making connections so what's your advice do you think those are worth reading or do you feel like it just gets in the way of 
looking at and taking in a piece of art. Well, it's the same with like audio guides. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. I mean, it's all about how do you want... I for want... sure am judging people who take the audio. <laughs> how do you want your experience to go? I mean, I don't want to be force-fed a narrative. I, I'm interested in that narrative, but I know that for what it is, right? A storyline. Someone's chosen to present these works this way. And that is one step removed from reality reality Mm -hmm. is you and what you see and like what you're you know taking away from that and then you can pile on all of the storytelling so i no i don't i don't Mm -hmm. usually enjoy like reading a lot of detail unless i'm really curious but there are occasions when a caption can prove illuminating i remember i was in um it must have been it was like the st louis museum of art and there was this huge piece and it was like probably like two stories high and made of layers of shattered glass. And I was like, whoa, that's powerful. I had my initial response to it across this really large room. And I was, you know, like, wow, I don't, you know, I feel something, but I don't know what it is exactly, like what I'm supposed to be quote unquote feeling. And then I read the caption and it was about... I think it's called Kristallnacht, which is the night of broken mm-hmm. glass. And that was a historical moment during World War II. Mm-hmm. And then it became all the more impactful to me because it was this sort of, um, you know, testament to, a, I mean, just a lot of tragedy and violence and pain. And it, you know, then, but at the same time turned into this like beautiful memorial. So, you know, you'll have moments mm-hmm. like that where the, the information gives you something, but... So when you talk about the narrative and being forced by the narrative, it brings up another huge issue, which is that the people who are writing those are usually white curators and they're usually writing about white artists. So, um, of course, we know that artists of color are largely erased um, in museums. But do you think just going back to galleries for a second, do you think that galleries are more representative or do you think it's just the same thing perpetuated? Uh, museums and galleries definitely have a diversity problem for sure and I would say not erased as much as underrepresented mm-hmm. and that means women artists of color um, artists who are telling like non-heteronormative narratives mm-hmm. um, that has always been the way it is it's certainly the way it is now but you know I there are examples of places doing the right thing and that usually starts with bring like making their staff more representative of their community. So, yeah, it, who chooses the art? Who decides what the museum buys and then what goes on display? Whiteboard. I'm, okay. I mean, I'm that's a that's a thumbnail analysis or like mm-hmm. a gut check, but yeah, it's just usually like white people. <laughs> <laughs> white people in power. Um yeah, so do you feel like galleries do a better job at that? Uh, or is that just something in my head I'm making up? No, it's that museums tend to have more historical work. Mm -hmm. You know, contemporary galleries tend to show living artists. So I think inherently they're probably going to have more of a cross-section. And I do think galleries are are trying to take steps in the right direction in terms of diversity. Mm -hmm. It's a very small step. Right. and museums are locked into different things, right? Because they have holdings. A lot of times they can't sell, like they call it deacquisition, I think, or deassess work so that they can't bring on more work until they get rid of stuff. So there are there are things involved in the museum situation that aren't necessarily hindering. Um, are museums just swapping work to other museums or is it rich people buying from museums and vice versa? <laughs> Bu- museums cannot 
sell work like that. It's way harder. And actually, usually because they're getting money from particular donors who have... Oh, right. You know what I mean? Like they have particular like you can you can keep this Mm -hmm. work, but you have to show it like once every five years or whatever it is. These stipulations that come along with a collector giving the work to a museum. So that's not that's not going to be the thing that's happening there. So another tip that you talked about um, is really a lot of people think that they can't interact with the guards in any way or that the guards are just there to like watch them like a hawk and make sure they're not touching the work. But um, most of the guards who are in there are pretty knowledgeable about the work. So you can actually initiate conversation with them. They're real people who would probably be interested in talking with guests at the museum. It's part of why they work there. Well, right. And I think who do you talk to at a museum? Docents, right? You could take a docent tour um, and those are volunteers to um, the museum and they are usually like prepped um, about the stories and the you know the exhibition catalog and stuff like that you could take a curatorial um, guided tour which is the curator one of the curators which is nice because then you're going you're sort of upping the ante and the the body of knowledge that person can share and then the guards are interesting I think mostly because they're going to give you their opinion right these people are spending hours of the day every day while a show is up in in that exhibition hall so they're seeing people react to the work mm-hmm. they're having their own moments with mm-hmm. it and i'm not saying all of them are just like chatty and wanting to talk to you but yeah. they're if you you know if you pose a question to them like what do you think or what's your favorite i've actually had really fun conversations because i you know it's just a cur- curious kind of thing so let's talk about museum etiquette. What's a definite no to you? Nothing. Always really? do. Come uh Okay. Do not. You're was, cool with somebody I'm walking did... around eating and drinking? <laughs> I have done that. And that is a no-no <gasps> for sure. I know. But I was younger and <laughs> stupider. Um, but no, I first of all, don't go into a museum hungry. Um Okay, yeah, of course. For me, don't talk on your phone. That's actually the biggest one because I'm like, shut up. Like, if you're going to have an experience in a museum, you kind of want to just be able to tune people out Mm -hmm. um, and just experience the work. But yes, of course, like, in all seriousness, don't eat or drink. That's disgusting. Like, (laughs) really? Like, we don't want, like, Cheeto Cheeto cheese stuff, like, on the wall next to the, you know, Monet. I also hate audible conversations, and we have a little bit of a disagreement <laughs> on this. We do. I don't understand where you're coming from. I feel this. like everybody should be using their indoor voices at all times, and I don't want to hear them talk. <laughs> but you're chill with people having conversations about the work. I am totally okay with that, but I like it to be like, don't be louder. Don't spike the volume. Just be with the murmur. Like, if we're all talking <laughs> like this, we all need to be talking. If we're all talking like this, then we talk like So, like, go with the crowd. But if it's quiet, shut up. Don't be the ones <laughs> breaking the silence. <laughs> How long do you look at a piece of art, Courtney? <laughs> well, I think the average, they say, is like 15 to 30 seconds is the average people will spend with work. I think that's pretty typical. Even for me, I would say I am encouraged or I encourage myself to sit longer when I do actually sit. And usually museums provide like benches, take advantage of them. Like Mm -hmm. sit down and look at a work, contemplate it for maybe one minute, five minutes. Oh my God, you are going to feel like you are crawling, like ants are crawling all over your body. (laughs) Like it's such a weird- It's really uncomfortable to be still like that in in public because we're not used to it. Yeah. 
So, but it's funny if you do that and focus on the work, then it starts to break down and build up in interesting ways. Like you're going to see it as an actually made thing, whereas sometimes you just see a picture. What if you don't see anything at all? How That's often a- does that happen to you? How often do you go and you're looking at something and you're like, oh, what? Oh. <laughs> I mean, not that so much, but like if it does it provoke something that I think is noteworthy? No, not all the time. I think the more you know about, let's say, an era of work or who made it or why, that can be interesting. But I think the best thing to do is be honest about your subjectivity and own it. Like, Mm -hmm. don't water down your reaction. Don't act like you feel something you don't because your particular response is actually more interesting than anything. Like if you're mm-hmm. like, I'm not feeling anything, I'm like, is it truly nothing or are you bored or are you repulsed or are you Which under- is valid. Right? And all of those are valid. Right. So because then it's like, then you can have a real conversation. But if you're just like, eh. It's okay. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So you're always feeling something, which I think is one of the reasons people kind of get too overly ambitious with going to a museum. You go and you're like, I'm going to see every possible thing here. But it's kind totally. of like, it's kind of like going swimming or something in the summer. Like <laughs> you go and you're only doing it for 45 minutes and you come <laughs> home and you're sort of exhausted and you want to take a nap. And I feel like that's what museums are like too. So don't feel guilty about going to one, staying for half an hour or seeing like the two galleries that you really want and then leaving. You can always come back. Absolutely. Oh, one thing we forgot to talk about was pricing. And museums, unlike galleries, sometimes do have prices. But then read the fine print. Is this a mandatory price or is this a suggested donation? And are you a dirtbag if you don't give the suggested donation? Let's Hell say no. within you, your means. You know I don't believe in that. I religiously... Um, will give them the lowest denominator of coin I have. So that would be a penny. I've done that more than more than once. I pride myself on it. And when we were together, we had a group of four from work. We went to see a show and Sam was like, oh, I have $10. And I was like, gross. Give I felt bad. I was what? like, I've got 10 for myself. <laughs> Ew. No, they, I mean, when it's a suggested donation, Donate as cheaply as you feel comfortable is my recommendation. Not just to be a dick. Why is that? You have a reason. Well, for me, it's because they're endowed. I mean, these are museums that are endowed, and I actually think all museums should be free. And in point of fact, just to talk about, like, I mean, to put the opposite spin, it doesn't even matter how much you pay. Mm -hmm. It is just a point of access. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's not going to enhance your experience and nobody cares. So, like, save it and, like, spend it on a hot dog after. Yeah. And the other thing is, um, you know, there's the whole side of like, if you can't afford to pay more, how much should you pay? But also, you should not feel self-conscious at all if you don't have anything to pay beyond a penny that day. Because the people who work at the um, that actual access point are trained in, you know, they don't care what you pay. They're yeah. not judging you. Um, and chances are you're one of hundreds of people that day to pay <laughs> whatever you paid. So don't let that stop you from going to a museum and experiencing it. Absolutely. Are you looking to improve your art technique or explore a new medium with help from professional artists? Artist Network TV offers more than 700 art video workshops from world-class instructors on acrylic, colored pencil, drawing, mixed media, oil, pastel and watercolors, and more videos are added every week. That's over 1,000 hours of art tutorials and full-length video workshops available to stream as often as you like, anywhere you like. Check out our free sampler with 60-plus free workshops at artistnetworktv.com slash TV and start learning today. 
So to wrap up, if you had one piece of wisdom on art galleries and art museums, Sam, what would it be? (laughs) Um, Both of them belong to you. Um, Galleries sort of philosophically and museums literally. So galleries are open to everyone. You should never feel self-conscious about going in. And museums, you should definitely act like you own the place when you're walking in because you do. Yep. Um, Me, I would say... I think I said it before, take your reaction to heart. I mean, for me, it's about having an experience with the artwork. That's the most important thing you're there for. Everything else is secondary. So try to tune everybody out. Put the blinders on so it can be just about your experience with the work. Courtney, do you want to close by talking about a time you got yelled at at a museum? Yes, for sure. One of many I'm uh, not ashamed to say um, would be when I was at the MoMA and there was a Richard Serra exhibition. And if you know these works, they're huge (laughs) and made out of like three inch steel, I think. Mm -hmm. They're like, I mean, it's like touching a battleship, right? They're (laughs) massive. And I did. I did touch one. It was like... Why did you touch it? I I told Sam it was like that weird moment in Jurassic Park when they find the dinosaur (laughs) and they put their hand on the belly to like feel it breathing and you're like, oh my God. Well, that was kind of what it was. It was like feeling the work and... I only got to do it for like uh, half a second before I got whistled out. <laughs> they were like, hey. And I was like, oh, sorry. But that's the thing. It's, you know, it wasn't even that bad. So the worst that you can do is get yelled at, I think. I mean, the worst thing is probably escorted out. But really, what are you doing at that point? Do, you the know, worst thing is yeah. very quiet guilt, which I still have because I broke something at a very prestigious museum. <laughs> Here in New York, which I'm not naming because I don't want them to come at me. (laughs) But it's not my fault because the whole work was on a floor and I didn't know that. And it was very crowded and it was right behind me. (laughs) And a lady kind of like jostled me aside and I stepped back to write myself and I sort of kicked a piece of art and sort of it it snapped. Something snapped. And then I looked around to see if anybody noticed and nobody was looking at me and I just blended in the crowd. Yeah, no, that was right. All right. Well, I think that closes it out for today's episode of Art Openings. Um, We recorded this episode at Banana Peel Studios in Bushwick. I'm Samantha Sanders. I'm Courtney Jordan. Join us next time. We're going to be talking about Marfa, the town that Judd built. Thanks. Thanks.